Thank you, Marty. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you. I should say as well, Bobby, you'll still be working at the nursery, so you'll see more than enough of Bobby, those of you who are about in the week at all. So it's just me you'll miss. <laughs> but it's so good to uh, be with you this morning. So good to have the opportunity to share with you uh, just some thoughts that I've uh, had downloaded to me from heaven. I think it was from heaven <laughs> this week. Um, really off the back of last week, I know some of you weren't with us last week. Some of you were climbing some of you were skiving, some of you were otherwise engaged. <laughs> so uh, just a very quick recap. Last week, uh, Stuart Blount was with us. Uh, and Stuart Blount is, of course, one of our um, Elim national leaders. Uh, but even more importantly than that, Stuart is Violet's uh, son-in-law. I know Violet's not with us today, but it was great to have Stuart with us. And he brought a fantastic message, I thought, which was really all about our personal mission as followers of Jesus. And in particular, his message really focused in um, on the great commission that Jesus gave to his followers to go and make disciples of all nations. And I suppose one thing that really stood out to me from Stuart's message was that the Great Commission isn't something that we choose to follow from time to time. The, the Great Commission isn't about some kind of evangelistic activity that we do when we feel like we're in the right mood. But actually, the Great Commission is a lifestyle that we are called to live out and reside in. And, you know, Stuart said that as we go about our lives, as we do whatever it is that we do on a daily basis, that, that we should live with our eyes open, that we should live with our heart open, and that we should live with our will open. Those were the three points that he left us with. And, you know, it's really all about how we live our lives, that we live with our eyes open. We live with our heart open. We live with our will open. Because, you know, in the Great Commission, Jesus isn't calling us to an activity. In the Great Commission, Jesus is calling us to a lifestyle. And so this morning, I actually want to speak to you from the same five verses that Stuart spoke to us from last week. And so if you have a Bible with you, you might like to turn to Matthew chapter 28. We'll be reading from verses 16 to 20. We're reading those famous words of Jesus and that moment where he called and commissioned his followers. But uh, I'm actually going to look at these verses from a slightly different angle this morning. So here we go, Matthew chapter 28. We're beginning at verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And this morning I want you to pay special attention to uh, verse 20, that last verse. And particularly to the first half of the verse. Because, you know, I was reflecting this week and when we think about the Great Commission, everyone likes to talk about the first bit. 
because it sounds so exciting. You know, even if it's a little bit scary, it's still quite exciting. But, you know, we're going to go out into the world and we're going to speak to people about Jesus and they're going to give their lives to him and they're going to get baptized. And that's pretty exciting, isn't it? And then the end of verse 20 is another one that we love. And I think those of us who identify as Pentecostal particularly seem to love this one. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And, you know, I think the reason we love it so much is because of the the comfort, really, that it gives us. That although, yes, Jesus is calling us to go and do something which could be quite difficult or quite scary, but it's going to be okay It's going to be okay because he is going with us. He's going to help us. But what about the bit in the middle? That's the bit that I want to focus on this morning. Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and, verse 20, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Obedience. That doesn't sound quite so exciting as the other bits, does it? (laughs) Obedience. So what it's saying then is I have to go out and I have to share my faith with people and I have to speak to them. But then more than that, it can't just be a matter of my words. I can't just speak to them, but actually I need to live out my life in a way that demonstrates to them the love of Jesus and the power of Jesus and the impact that he has had on my life and if I keep doing that then hopefully some people will be open to exploring that and maybe I can lead them to Jesus and they could be baptized and it'll be wonderful but then rather than saying well job well done and on to the next person actually I'm supposed to journey with that person and I'm supposed to help them and teach them so that they can be obedient to all that Jesus has commanded us that sounds like much harder work to me but you know even more shocking than that is this and I want you to hold on to your chairs now I don't want anyone falling over but if I am going to teach other people to be obedient to the teachings of Jesus and to the teachings of scripture Now, first of all, I've got to make sure that I am living in obedience. Otherwise, I'll be a hypocrite. And if you are going to teach people and help them to be obedient to Jesus and his teachings and the teachings of the Bible, then you're going to have to make sure that, first of all, you are living in obedience. And that's not easy to hear. It's not easy to accept. But it is the reality, isn't it? That before we go about instructing other people, we need to make sure that our own houses are in order. We need to make sure that our own heart is in order. And so this morning I'm going to speak to you briefly on the subject of great obedience. Last week we looked at the Great Commission. And this week we're still thinking about the Great Commission. But we're thinking especially about this great obedience. The Great Commission is really all about great obedience. Firstly, because we have to be obedient in what Jesus is calling us and commissioning us to do. But then also because we are instructed within the Great Commission to teach others to walk in obedience. 
This week I uh, listened to a teaching from a guy called Gary Hamrick. I'd never heard of him before and I just stumbled across him this week. And he's a pastor of a church in America. And he was speaking on uh, Matthew 28 verse 20. And he said this, When you convert to Christianity, you become a convert. But a convert to Christianity is not the same as a disciple of Jesus. And then a few moments later, he said, becoming a Christian happens in a moment. But being a disciple of Christ happens in a lifetime. I thought that was really challenging. I quickly read it again. When you convert to Christianity, you become a convert. But a convert to Christianity is not the same as a disciple of Jesus. Becoming a Christian happens in a moment. But being a disciple of Christ happens in a lifetime. And it is important that he made that point that being a Christian, becoming a Christian does happen in a moment. Because we are already loved by God. And when we are interacting with people in our lives who perhaps don't yet know Jesus, whether that person knows it or not, they are loved by God. And from the moment that they choose to accept Jesus into their lives, As their Lord and as their Saviour, they find instant acceptance in Him. They're a part of His family. They're adopted as a son or a daughter of God because they believe in Him and because they've invited Him into their life. And from that moment onwards, they are saved. That's what is required um, for salvation But that's just the beginning. You see, conversion is the first part, and it's an important part. It's it's, uh, an integral part because there has to be that moment where somebody comes uh, to that place where they place their faith in Jesus and they accept him. And then there's water baptism where that person publicly declares that Jesus is Lord of my life. He's my saviour. And now I'm going to die to my old self and I'm going to embrace the new life that he has given me. And, you know, we celebrated that here a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? I wasn't here, but I heard that uh, that you had a great time. And I saw the uh, videos that uh, Oksana put up of uh, the baptisms. Incredible celebration of those people saying, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and I choose to follow him, and I lay down the things of the past, and I pick up the new life that he gives me. It's incredible. But then, if we really want to embrace all that Jesus has for us, then we have to understand that it doesn't end there, because conversion isn't the end. Conversion is just the beginning of a wonderful journey. We are called in the Great Commission to make disciples. And of course that depends on the individual in question. They have to be willing to be a disciple. They have to be willing to follow. They have to be willing to be obedient to Jesus. But we are called to make disciples. But first and foremost, this is what I want to get at this morning. Before we can make disciples, we need to make sure that we are a disciple. I'm not called just to be a convert to Christianity. I'm called to be a disciple, a follower. You are called to be a disciple 
and a follower of Jesus. And I think one of the most important factors looking at scripture that mark us out as a disciple of Jesus is that we are obedient to him and that we're living that lifestyle of obedience. And again, it's really important and I'm glad actually that it's been highlighted earlier on in the service about the forgiving nature of God. That is so important that, you know, we beat ourselves up over our failures, uh, but that's not what God does to us. Because he's accepted us and Jesus has for, um, we are forgiven through the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. And so those things that we get hung up about where we're thinking about things that we did five or ten years ago or even last week, they're gone in the eyes of God. So this isn't about beating ourselves up if we're not obedient, but it is about looking to make sure that we are living in that lifestyle that Jesus has called us to. And when we mess up, we do dust ourselves down. And we get back on the track and we don't beat ourselves up. But, you know, it says in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teaching, then you are my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And you know, that bit's really important because the truth can only set you free if you know it. The truth of the Bible is only going to set me free if I first read it, if I know it. We are called to be obedient to the teachings of Jesus. We're called to be obedient to what we read in Scripture. But in order to be obedient to his teachings, I need to know them. I need to understand them. And the Bible tells us that that truth will set us free. It will move us from being a convert to being a disciple. And it will equip us then to be able to teach others to do likewise. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus illustrates a similar principle by using a story. And in verses 24 to 27... He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Notice the first line there. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. We see those two things coming hand in hand together, hearing and doing, hearing the word and living the word, knowing the teachings of Jesus and living out the teachings of Jesus. Because remember, it's all about lifestyle. And when we combine those two things, hearing and doing, knowing And living out. When we combine those things, we lay down the perfect foundation for us to build our lives on. And you know, the reason that Jesus urges us 
to follow his teachings and to build our lives on his teachings and to help others to build their lives on his teachings is because he loves us and he knows that it is in our best interests to do so. This isn't for him, this is for us. Because we are told that such a person who builds their life on the words of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came and the winds blew, but that house remained standing. So the principle then is this. When your life is built on Jesus and his teachings... When you've developed that lifestyle of obedience, not when you get everything perfect and you never make a mistake and you never sin, but when we develop that lifestyle of trying our best to be obedient to Jesus, that provides you with the infrastructure that you need to weather the storms that life will throw at you. So then what are the teachings of Jesus that we're told to build our lives upon? What are these commands of Jesus that he speaks about in the Great Commission? Those commands that we are told that we're to obey and that we're to teach others to obey. Well, there are all sorts of things that Jesus says about how we should live our lives. And if we read through the Gospels, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you can read about the things that Jesus taught And you should read through the Gospels and through the rest of Scripture. And you should try and put into practice what you see. But ultimately, at a basic level, it all boils down to this. Jesus said there are two greatest commandments. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And to love your neighbour as yourself it's not too complicated is it and you know basically all of his teachings we see come under one of those categories that everything else he is teaching us to do effectively helps us to grow in one of those areas loving God and loving others that is what this walk is about and so there are all sorts of instructions that Jesus gives us In the New Testament. Just two two or three examples. He commands us to forgive one another. In Mark chapter 11 verse 25 he says. When you stand praying. If you hold anything against anyone. Forgive them. So that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. It's about loving others. And loving them enough. That we are prepared to forgive them. Even if we feel that they have wronged us. Loving others. He commands us to let our light shine before others. He said in Matthew chapter 5, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, that one's really about loving God and loving others, isn't it? And then maybe the more difficult one of the three examples I've chosen is that he commands us to get rid of the things That cause us to sin and do wrong. And again in Matthew chapter 5. He says if your right eye causes you to stumble. Gouge it out and throw it away. 
It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. A bit strong, isn't it? It's Jesus' words, not mine. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Throw it away. Jesus, what are you talking about? I don't think he's literally saying that we need to start cutting off parts of our body and gouging out our eyeballs. It's a bit gross. But he was using the illustration to instruct us that if there is something in our lives that is causing us to do wrong, that we've got to get rid of it. Because actually that sin is getting in the way of our relationship with God. It's about loving God and valuing our relationship with him enough that we are prepared to make sacrifices in order that we continue to live the life that he has called us to live and so that we can maintain that strong relationship with him. And you know, none of this is meant to be religious or legalistic. I think the reason we don't talk about obedience so much in churches anymore is because in times gone by, people have made it all about religion and legalism and following rules. But this isn't supposed to be about following rules and regulations. The religious people in Jesus' day made it all about following rules. They'd follow rules and laws to the absolute letter. And they would be fierce in their persecution and condemnation and intimidation of anyone who didn't do the same. And we know that Jesus did away with that, didn't he? He didn't come to condemn people. He didn't come to condemn the world. But he did come to save the world. He did come to show us how to live our lives in a way that is honouring to God and honouring to those around us. And so he made some commands that would help us in those areas. And you know, we don't follow them so that he'll save us. And accept us. And welcome us into heaven. Because I've already said through that quote that I shared a few minutes ago. That conversion, salvation happens in a moment. It's instant. We're not obedient to Jesus to gain his acceptance. But we're obedient to Jesus because of his acceptance. We're obedient, not because we have to please him, I don't think. We're obedient because we want to please him, because of all that he's done for us. Because we love him. We love him for who he is. We love him when, because of all that he's done. And you know, Jesus did say, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. If we love him, we'll be obedient to him. If we love him, we'll want to be obedient to him not to follow rules in order to to get saved but because we want to please him and we want to live our lives for him James jumped on the bandwagon in James chapter 1 verse 22 and he said something similar to the other verses that I have shared with you he said do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves but do what it says do what it says. And you know, one thing, and I've loved about this church as I've been here for the past six months or so, is that I, I genuinely see a people who are committed to that walk 
of obedience. I think this is a church from, from the leadership team right down to, to all of you guys. You're a church who takes seriously what the Bible says. And you're obedient to it. And you do your best to be obedient to it. I think this is a church that values the Holy Spirit. And is always the leaders are always listening for what the Holy Spirit is saying. And doing their best to walk in obedience. And so I just want to encourage you. It's maybe my last time I preached to you, at least for a while. And so I want to tell you, keep going. Keep walking in obedience with him. Don't ever be like those people that James said who merely listen to the word. Don't do that. Listen to the word and do what it says. Listen to the Holy Spirit and do what he says. In the Great Commission, which we are all called to, not just, not just Bill and Ellen and Martin and Sally and the team, we're all called to that. In the Great Commission, Jesus said that we are to see people saved. We're to see them reach that point of conversion. We're to see them be baptized. And then we are to teach them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. But before we can do that, we have to examine our own hearts and our own lives. And we have to ensure first and foremost that we are living it out for ourselves. So we all need to examine ourselves in this area. Don't examine anyone else. Don't sit in judgment of anyone else. But examine your life. Examine your heart. I need to examine my life and my heart. I need to make sure that I am living in obedience to Jesus. I'm not perfect. I get it wrong all the time. Bobby will tell you. But I try my best to live that lifestyle of obedience. And then and only then I can help others and try to teach them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us. Because really the Great Commission is all about great obedience. That's all I have. That's all I wanted to share with you this morning. I'm just going to pray before I uh, hand back over to Martin. Father, I just thank you so much for, uh, for your word Thank you so much for, the, for the, the depth and breadth of all that scripture has for us. That when we turn to the Bible, we don't just see what we want to hear. Sometimes we do see what we want to hear, and that's nice. But we, regardless of that, we always hear, we always read what we need. And in your love, you, you, you tell it like it is to us. And I, I thank you for this, uh, this important message on obedience. I thank you that for Jesus, he didn't stop at saying, get saved and get baptized and and get on with your lives. But because he wanted us, because you want us, Father, to step into and live in the reality of all that you have for us. And you don't want any barriers getting in the way of that. You called us to live in obedience. And even more than that, you didn't just call us and leave us to it. But you gave us the Holy Spirit to help us and to continually point us back towards the Father and to speak to us, to encourage us, to challenge us. So I thank you for the help that you give us in this area. And my prayer for all of us is that we would learn to to rely on you in this. That we would allow you to help us. I pray that we wouldn't never beat ourselves up when we get it wrong. When we 
have moments where we haven't lived in obedience. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the sacrifice that we have remembered this morning, for what you did for us on the cross, that you bought us with your blood, that we are forgiven for all our sins, past, present and future. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that I'm not walking in obedience in order to be saved, but you've already saved me. And as I remember what you've done for me, what you've done in my life, I choose to follow you wholeheartedly. So Father, would you help us? In Jesus' name, amen.